Hi, everybody. Welcome to Six Months Later, the podcast 180 Days in the Making, where we talk to interesting people in the present, and then we talk to them six months later in the future, which is then the present, and we see how their lives are going. My name is Matthew Shadorn, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host. Tara Newton-Wordsworth. Hello. Hi, Tara. How are you today? I'm fantastic, thank you, Matt. How are you? I am all right. Yeah. Have you had uh, any exciting developments this week? No, I have been outside digging in the yard today, leveling the ground so I can put in my new shed. So that's exciting. Wow, leveling the ground, eh? I had no idea that you were into ground leveling. That's exciting. It's new to me and it sucks. So I respect all the professional ground levelers out there. If you're listening, I I respect you. That's beautiful. (laughs) What have you been up to, Tara? God, I don't know. I've just been dealing with copious amounts of, I don't know, toddler stuff, which has been nightmarish, teething, whining, you know, potty training regressions. Like it's just, you've got all this to come, Matt, and I'm very excited for you. Um, But yeah, that is pretty much just my life at the moment. So I would say very boring to talk about in general. Oh, well, I... Actually, I have something that, that leads into our six months predictions. Okay. Is I heard a rumor this week, and I can't say from who, and it's got, there's apparently some kind of like super secret injunction thing about not publishing stuff that there's a law in this country that I don't know. Anyways, so it's apparently covered under some kind of uh, anti-publishing law that I don't know about. But this is the rumor. But in six months, it'll either be totally bullshit or it'll have happened. So it doesn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is the rumor I heard, and this might be true. So you might be listening to this in the future and be like, oh, my God, Matchadorn is amazing or an (laughs) idiot or both. I don't know. Probably both. (laughs) But I had heard that Boris Johnson's wife left him. What? She moved out. So Boris Johnson, the for those of you who don't know, the terrible prime minister of uh, Great Britain, uh, that his wife left him. The wife that he, or is it even his wife? It's like his girlfriend, right? I don't know. I'm not sure. They're having a baby together. They had the baby. baby? They They had had the the baby. baby. Oh, okay. Sorry. They had the baby, but they apparently, like, he cheated. So, long story short, he cheated on his wife while she was getting cancer treatment with this woman who is 20 years younger than him and worked for him. And uh, they had a baby, which the British tabloid somehow made into a romantic story. And uh, (laughs) so then she moved into number 10 with him when he became prime minister. But apparently he also has a violinist lover that he has also impregnated. No. And so this this, guy, he has got to like learn about, you know, contraception like i li- yeah. i think he's got hasn't he got like 14 kids or something i'm sure i've heard that he's got kids all around the place maybe it's not 14 but it's like six or like he, eight. yeah the number is something like between six and ten i think but it, nobody knows the actual number i just yeah and it blows my mind do you want to hear the the craziest thing about this okay she is the daughter. she is a she was born in east germany and she is the daughter of russian citizens one of his and her father worked for the KGB under then East German section head Vladimir Putin. What? Oh so she is almost undoubtedly a spy. <laughs> wow. Oh my gosh. So this is how do you know this? Oh, you can't, I can't tell say. Me. I can't, can't say. Yeah, and yeah, I, right. I, I shouldn't say. It may be a complete fabrication. Maybe I'm making it up. Or maybe you're listening to this and being like, Matt Shadorn had the inside scoop the whole time. But, um, 
Wow. Well, I guess we'll find out in six months. God. I mean, I don't know. We probably won't find out the same way we haven't found out about his 10 children. Like, it's honestly. Fair. The guy is amazing, though. How does he do it? I, I just find it incredible. He's managed to get to the position he's got to. Well, it's the same as Trump, I guess, with his whole, like, yeah. all the comments he's made and stuff. And people are like, but he's a guy's guy. He's a man's man. I love him. Right. You know, like, and you're just like, really? If it was a woman, there is no way. They'd be like, um, haven't you got 10 children? We've found every single one of them. And we've got interviews right here. And the public would be like, that is appalling. Right. You know, like, it's just, I don't know. Anyway, I, I'm not going to go on it. It's called Failing Upwards, and rich white guys have made an art of it, frankly. Um, it's it's impressive. I, I feel like I should learn learn from them. I mean, you know, I have loads of kids that I've just, you know, I've moved from town to town. I, I leave my kids everywhere I go. It's a lot harder, obviously, as a woman to hmm. impregnate people. Um, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, moving right on from that but that's exciting for a six months prediction i guess to see whether this child is real and whether you know she is a spy and all this stuff so if it brings down the johnson administration maybe Great. who knows fantastic so i love be- the way that you also just went oh he's our terrible prime minister in this way of just like <laughs> that's just how we introduce him now it's not like oh uh in the uk there's a prime minister he's just the terrible prime minister i think there would be a lot of people that would probably disagree i think a lot of people have been pulled into the romance particularly of his like covid speeches like when he had covid and came out and you know it was all I mean I think I was pulled in to some degree like he was very good at the dramatic speeches it was very much channeling Churchill but I felt that was also very much on purpose as well yeah just a pale imitation don't fall for it it's it's a whole it's all an act oh yeah yeah, yeah no I, just I, a I'm aware empty vessel I think he... six months later you're gonna be like well I'm I'm voting Tory now he just really <laughs> won me over the way he raises yeah. those two children in that multi-mother household it's just you know, <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm not, I'm not, uh, about to vote Tory. However, um, if you choose to, that's your choice. Uh, there's no judgment here. Um, oh, I you can go straight to hell. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do I have any other predictions for six months time? Not really. I think the whole second lockdown is coming according to everything I keep seeing on the news. So I'm assuming we'll all just be probably in lockdown again woohoo so yeah that's my exciting prediction oh that and also that we will this isn't for six months time but i do feel like we're going to get a way of uploading our subconscious to like a cloud so that we can live Mm. forever like i don't think this is i think this is a while off but that's just my my big uh your timeline's like what seven eight months on that or i don't know i reckon i reckon within the next 15 years i'm saying 15 right. years, I reckon we'll be able to live forever through the through the cloud somehow. Well, uh, if we're listening my... to this, we'll do 15 years later. We'll put this in the... <laughs> Swing prediction. I feel like we're going to end up like uh, like Nostradamus. We're just going to have a lot of amazing predictions. And in the future, people will think that we're prophets, seers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. In the future, where we're, where we're living in the cloud. And then the everyone's cloud, like, yeah. wow, you knew we'd be up here. Um, yeah. yeah, all right. All right, so uh, let's get on with no further ado to our amazing interview today. Woo-hoo. Shall we? Yeah. Yes, please. Okay. Great. Great. 
please welcome to the show an old friend of mine and a principal in Seattle, Andrew Zillig. I don't know why I said Andrew. I've never called you Andrew before in your life. <laughs> uh, Andy Zillig. Uh, hi, Andy. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. And I'm I'm technically only an assistant principal. An assistant but principal. Sorry. We'll see how long I, I, I last, right? Like, you think you move up or move down or... <laughs> who knows mm. with what's going on nowadays right yeah, yeah. andy how, how are you doing these days how are you holding up out there in seattle i'm personally i'm 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 doing fine and uh, uh you know family's doing fine it's aggravating uh but i doubt it's any more aggravating than the rest of the world you know can't go too many places and then you, you then you go you go places and then you see people you say, where are all these people out um <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, every once in a while, I have to go into work, and the commute is amazing because there's no traffic. And lately, though, the traffic is kind of inching back up to what it normally is, which means more people are getting out and about. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't go too many places. We stay in our house. I'm pretty much the only one who ever leaves, you know, aside from like walking around the neighborhood or, or anything like that. But I, I go to the grocery store. I run the errands. That's sure. And you're starting to go back to school to set up for the next school year. And yep. your school is, uh, is it K through eight? It's a K-5. We have a preschool as well. Okay. And when do you start? Is it next week or was it this week? Uh, we start on, on Friday. The staff is already back and, and uh, we're doing most most schools, most school districts will have those days before school where it's all training and preparation and stuff. And that's where we are right now. Oh, okay. So how does, I mean, so Seattle kind of was early on one of the, the epicenters uh, for COVID and mm -hmm. the, the city seems to have recovered and found kind of a new normal, would you say, with the, with the virus? Kind of like most of us have, I guess. I, yeah, I guess I would call have. it a, a new normal. Uh, um, things are changing all the time. And certainly like this, with the start of the school year, it is definitely a new endeavor that is been confusing and frustrating for families and, and staff alike, I think. And a lot of it had to do with the situation being as it as it is, you can't make plans too far out and be able to stick with them. And that's frustrating. But at the same time, it's, it's frustrating not to know what's going on. But, and, you know, if you asked right. me what was going to happen, uh, you know, six months ago, where would we be right now? I, I wouldn't have guessed it. Right. Yeah. Um, so you can't sit down and say, OK, in two months, we're, this is exactly what's going to happen, because as soon as you make that statement, two days later, all new inf all this new information comes out and making whatever statement you made invalid or moot or whatever. So and that's just the reality, I think, that everybody's getting used to. And it's really or trying to get used to. And it's, it's really hard to operate that way. And personally, I find that really anxiety laden. I, I don't like the unknown. I don't think I'm alone in that. But um, sure. Yeah, so it's it's frustrating. I mean, we're we're making announcements with state and local officials that you know this is happening tomorrow or this is happening today, and as a district and and uh, as a school, we're doing same thing is happening. We're making announcements with okay, this is what's happening, and and it's going to start tomorrow or the next day. Uh, sometimes we get a couple of weeks ahead, you know, lead time and stuff. But uh, right. Uh, so I don't know. I think the chaos is kind of the new normal and confusion is kind of the new normal, but I, I, I think there are still a lot of things that are still being figured out and what the new normal looks like. I don't think it's solidified. So d does the city have kind of a good plan in place for, or the school district have a good plan in place for bringing students back and like probably having to shut it down again if that's, so if that for, has to happen. Yeah. Hmm? So for a good part of the summer, 
we were operating under the under the plan that we would have a sort of hybrid approach. We'd have online learning available. Uh, when, when we shut down in, in, in March, like many places, we just shut down and it was all online and we were sort of building the, the plane as it flew. And then over the summer, we came up with plans and, and we we're going to allow anybody who wanted to, to opt into 100% online. And, and then we were going to do like a hybrid model. We were developing that. So we'd have some kids who, you know, Families opt in for 100% online, but we'd have some in-person teaching on like an alternating schedule. So first part, a couple of days a week, half of the student body would be able to come in and see their teacher and get on, you know, in-person instruction. And then the switch and the other half would come in the, the second part of the week with Wednesdays sort of being a, a non-classroom day. That just didn't, that, that didn't come to pass because of rising infection rate and positivity rates and all that. Um, and so mm. we switched to online learning. It's been a pretty heavy lift. And a lot of it has, has to do with, you know, there's a lot of logistics that go into getting technology into the hands of everybody, make, making sure they've got not, not just a device, but adequate, uh, like broad, you know, bandwidth connectivity. Yeah. And, and I feel like in the past, you've told me that there's like a really high poverty rate amongst your students for the sending district in your school or. Yeah, I mean, we're I mean, I, I'm in Seattle, so it's a, you know, we're an urban school district and, you know, we're not the only building that's got a lot of who serve families who, you know, are dealing with a lot of unstable um, aspects in their life, right? Mm -hmm. so housing, housing instability, food instability, um, lack of access to adequate technology, um, internet services, healthcare, you know, like yeah. uh, uh, <laughs> pretty much everything. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot there um, to navigate. And then, so there's just logistically that there's a lot to figure out. And then aside from the fact that we, you know, we also have to think about like working conditions for, for staff. So a lot of the sort of last minute things that were happening um, or seemingly last minute things that were happening had to do with contract negotiations for the teacher's contract. And what is this going to look like for staff who are coming back? And so all mm. that had to be negotiated. And that really still hasn't I mean, it, they've reached a, you know some agreements, but right now, as we're recording it, hasn't been voted on by the teachers. So there could be still some things to be figured out. Oh wow! How are you feeling about going back to to school? Um, you know, I'm nervous for various reasons. I know people who are in at-risk categories, mm -hmm. meaning like staff and colleagues who are in at-risk categories and don't, you know, so they, they really wanted not to have students come in and, but it's really t tough. You know, I also know a lot of like young childless teachers and they're, you know, who are they're bastards. <laughs> well, <laughs> they, they don't have necessarily though, you know, like those uh, fears and stuff, but they right. also then live in like a studio apartment and now they have to, they have to work out of that studio apartment and turn it into a, a classroom, right? Or they, or maybe they live in a house, but with like, with three, with like six roommates and stuff and they have to, they have to teach out of their homes and that's going to be difficult so you know so then do we you know then, then there's options okay they, then they can come into the building and basically turn their classroom into like a tv studio and, and teach out of teach out of there because all their stuff mm -hmm. is there and then, you know all that kind of stuff but then then they're leaving their homes and they're going into a building where other people are going into so then you know so you you, you take you know one set of factors and, and weigh them against a whole nother set of factors and then you know in the building while we're not going to necessarily 
have students be, come in, but there's going to be other staff there because if you are a site that uh, serves meals, people are going to be coming. They're not necessarily coming into the building, but there's still going to be people around. You've got custodial staff and you've got the, your fellow teachers coming in. You've got maintenance mm-hmm. staff. And then you have people like me. Do I need to be in there the whole time, you know, as a administrative or supervisory role or something like that? You've Right. also got special education services that oftentimes that determinations have to be made because there are some special ed services that may have to be done in person, right? You can't do via a platform, you know, an online platform. Then you have to create conditions for that. So then there may be some students who are coming into the building, if only for a short time for a, a session with a teacher. And, you know, like there's all these things that people are thinking about and talking about and don't necessarily have really solid answers. And even with pretty solid answer from a department head or from the district, it's still kind of in theory, right? Because we haven't done it. Yeah. And so w- what we write down on paper as an idea and, and, a, and a plan doesn't always look the same in practice. And so, I, you know, that makes people nervous. Uh, sure. Then you have the fact that like, I still have two school-age kids at home, right? Like, I've got two out the door, and I've got, but I still got two left to go. So... Right. <laughs> So yeah, uh, Tara has two kids. Yeah. And uh, I have the one on the way, but which you're very excited. I, actually, Andy was like, I think the first person I told Aww, um, because that's cute. I was I'm very sure panicked. Can. Yeah, it was. I think it was more less of like, hey, Andy, I've got great news. And hey, Andy, please talk me off this ledge. Yeah, I was like, what about and then the baby and then my wife? What if everybody dies? Like, and he's like, no, it's fine. It'll be fine. It's <laughs> And I, yeah, I was very like, and her friend just had a baby and there was all these complications. And she's like, it's, that's so rare. He's got a very calming voice, got a very calming Midwestern voice. Andy does. <laughs> and we've had, oh, you know, uh, with, with Penelope, Jill was like this, we, all of our kids were born at home. And with, uh, with my second daughter, my Jill was really like minutes away from having us to, we, we might have needed to call 911 or the hospital because she was, you know started to bleed way too much so Hmm. um you know things can happen but you know people know what they're doing you know Mm. you you didn't you're not watching a youtube uh, tutorial or anything for this (laughs) not anymore no i mean if if you find any ignore them because they're probably not any good did you have um what did you did you have a midwife with you and what did she if you had a midwife what did she do when that happened? Um, we did have a midwife, but the reason there was complication is uh, it was what's called a precipitous birth. So Jillian, she didn't really believe that she was in labor. I tried to convince her she was in labor. And I finally, like, we called the midwife and she's making all those sort of like quintessential, like, labory sounds, like the breathing and the moaning and stuff like that. <laughs> my, my wife <laughs> has been ingrained. In, uh, she was raised by her grandparents and she's got like this really great sense of like phone etiquette. And um, so I called my wife and I was like, look, she's in, I think she's in labor and she doesn't think that I know anything. Will you please tell her? And like, literally I'm standing next to her. She's making all these noises. And I say, okay, hold on. And I give the phone to her and she just immediately is like, uh, uh, Oh, hi. Yes. No, <laughs> I, I think I'm okay. All right. And I can hear in the in the earpiece, she's like, listen to your husband, you're in labor. I'm going <laughs> to, so it, it was, it was pretty funny, but anyway, wow. it, went, it went so fast. Like we, we talked about like where she was in that state and she's like, okay, I'm going to start getting ready. And you know, I'll, I'll head in there in a little bit, but it started happening so fast. I called her back probably, 
I don't know, a half hour later. And she's like, all right, I'm on my way. She drove really fast. She sped the entire way. And she said she even switched lanes a little erratically, almost hoping to get pulled over. Because if you show your credentials and say that what you're doing, she could get a police escort, but that never happened. So she just oh. drove really crazy. <laughs> and uh, Penelope came out. Uh, we, I just, it was just me and Jill. We. Oh my I gosh! Had, what? So you you caught her, or like you had to? Birth, yeah, you, I had a pretty well oiled the... catcher's mitt. I was ready. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh! They, Penelope was my my third, and I, I've been there for all of them. So, but, and they've all uh, been at home. That's the other they've thing. They've all been at home. They've all been home been, births. We did uh, yeah. water births. We got the the birth and tub and all that kind of stuff. And we were in the tub. Um, we didn't have the water at, at quite a high level as we wanted because, like I said, it was really really fast. But basically, baby came out, placed Penelope up on 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 mommy's chest, and I said, "You got this." She said, yeah, I said, yeah, I never unlocked the front door. I'm going to go turn on the porch light. I'll be right back. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and I kind of, you know, I, I ran over there and I unlocked the door and I turned on the light and I, and I kind of opened the door too to look around and, you know, to see if she, if she was there and maybe the midwife was there and needed stuff. And I literally saw her car come tearing around the corner uh, <laughs> at the end of the block. And then I, I just left the door open. I went back to my wife. I said, she's on her way. And she comes running in. And the first thing she says is, I don't even know how to build you guys, you know, <laughs> 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 well, but she, so she was there for, um, you know, like within five minutes of, of Penelope coming out. So. Whoa. And Penelope was breathing and everything when she came out. Oh yeah. She, she was perfectly healthy. Because that's the thing that always concerned me about if I had to do it on my own was like the thing where sometimes when they come out, they're not breathing and they have to do that kind of massaging thing. And I was like, that's that was literally my main concern was like, how do I do the massaging thing? I'm just not very good at listening to instructions on like, I think <laughs> I get stressed out. It's weird when someone's like, OK, listen, this is really important. Like, I remember that when I was at camp and I was in year 10 this is in Australia, we we're walking through the bush and they're like, we're going to leave you by yourselves, like just the kids for the next 24 hours. You've got to camp overnight by yourself and stuff. In I'm going to tell you in Australia. <laughs> and then I was like, and then they're just like, we're going to tell you what to do if a snake bites you. Okay. If someone gets bitten <laughs> by a snake, <laughs> they were just like, listen, this is really important. Okay. And I was like, oh my God, I've got to listen to this. This is really important. And then all I remember from after that is like, I have no idea looking around thinking something. And then I was like, shit, I missed the whole thing on like what to do. Um, and I still don't know what I'm supposed to do. So I should probably look that up as well. But I wow. think that, yeah, yeah I, I would mean, think in Australian schools, there'd just be like a snake bite class. A standard one. Take, yeah. What, yeah. And what also to do what if was, a classmate gets carried off by a dingo, that kind of stuff. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. Exactly. Just like <laughs> how to live in this. It's called how to live in this terrible country. 101. <laughs> <laughs> Someone, uh, we did actually, um, one of the groups of, uh, like we split into two groups and the other group did, uh, see a, a snake, a big one, co like coiled up in a, I don't know, I guess a spiral. Uh, and then they they had to all sort of sneak around it. And thankfully, no one got bitten. Luckily, I wasn't in that group because I would not know how to help anybody. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think the, the birth thing, I ended up going to the hospital for both births, which I was glad that I did because I had huge babies and uh, needed a lot of stitching. So I would have had to go anyway because the midwife couldn't stitch that 
level of stitching unfortunately but um yeah. uh how big were were your babies were they did, so you had your wife had all babies at home which is pretty amazing mm-hmm. and they were was all that... regular sized babies seven or eight pounds okay yeah because my first one was nine pounds eight ounces and i think that's quite like for your first one i'm quite glad that that we did go to the hospital that was the yeah. only reason we went because then when they were measuring them him they were like oh he's gonna be He's going to be big. (laughs) Wow. I mean, that's an Um, easy option in the UK, but hospitals are expensive in America. So. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I will say that all my babies, you know, cost me a few hundred bucks. You know, I bargain basement. It, you know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So with, if you go to the hospital, like as in, do you need, insurance like is in it to 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 be able to go to the hospital in america to have a baby like is it that you need to have special insurance beforehand or do you need to pay some massive amount of money like i, I mean, mean you just have, you don't have to have special insurance but you know you have uh, health insurance health insurance yeah. um you know you, you you give them all that information when you you know sign up with your obstetrician or, or uh, OBGYN or whatever you're doing, you know, in your prenatal care. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's kind what, of this... what hospital they have privileges with and you go to that hospital and then, you, you know, you have this joyous moment and then they send you home and, and, and a few days later, uh, and I, I'm guessing about this process, this never happened for any of my kids, but, and then I would guess a few days later, you get this uh, gigundous bill Yeah, and then you look at your kid and wonder if it was worth it. Yeah. Jeepers, man. Yeah, like, oh, I'm, I'm never going to make this money back. Yeah, that's what you look at it when you're like, this is going to cost me so much money. We are so yeah. off topic right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, so all of this is to say you have two school-aged children yourself, <laughs> which you right. also have to manage that. And that right there, I also don't know what it's going to be like. Um, yeah. My when, when school's closed, when school shut down back in, in March, my wife's in grad school and she's doing it online. So, you know, nothing really changed for her. And, and we decided for her to, in order to get done and not take like six years to do it, she was going to do it full time for a year and finish it up. So she was, you know, the only thing that really changed for her was that instead of being home all day where she could read and study and, you know, do assignments, write papers and stuff like that. The only thing that changed for her is now that everybody was in the house to distract and pester her. So she couldn't get Mm. any of that stuff done. And when it happened back in the uh, original closure, like I said, everybody's trying to kind of figure stuff out, but now that they've had all summer to formulate a plan, the plan I think is way better than what we did. And it's, and it's certainly, uh, has more rigor in what we are wanting students to do. We re- really need to make sure that we are getting optimal learning out of this new platform. But in order to do that, there's a lot more commitment to how much time kiddos are going to be on an online platform and, and what times and stuff. And so as we look at this proposed schedules that have come out from over the summer from the district and the union and all that kind of stuff, we're envisioning the four of us all sitting down simultaneously, you know, my, my, my six-year-old and my eight-year-old will have a similar schedule. And so they each have to have their own device and they each have to sit down and they have to be working. But my Mm -hmm. wife will still have her classes. In fact, our plan kind of got shot. She had to drop a class and it's going to take her a little bit longer because we just couldn't commit. We couldn't get everything. She couldn't do that uh, level of work and support our kids um, and, mm-hmm. and cause you know, we we're both trying to like tag team that and it's just, it was really hard. And then now there's even more upon, we're asking a lot of families to do this. And so, 
um, we're hopeful that we can do it, but I, I have to work. So, but I'm also in the, you know, so how am I going to do my, I, I need to help support my kids learning, but I also have to be working. I, I just don't know. And, we, mm-hmm. so yeah. we're gonna, and I have no, you know, what do we do too? Because I, in order to do my job, do, can I, can I do my job sitting next to my six-year-old so that I can support him if he has questions? Right. And if I did, how effective will I be at my job and how effective mm-hmm. will I be at helping? Or do I, you know, do I try and hold up in a room all by myself like I'm doing now and leaving him to his own devices and, and hoping that his teacher is able to, to help him out in the, in the ways that he needs to be helped out? I, you know, like I just don't, I don't know. In theory, yeah. it sounds it sounds like a great plan, but in practice, I, I I'm I'm one of those people who like can find like every permutation possible and, and right. freak out. And and that's like the conversation happening in like a thousand households right. in Seattle alone. And then yeah, exactly. And here I am. I'm a I'm a white dude of privilege, you know, who's able to work from home. And yeah. I, and I am struggling to find how I'm going to navigate this. I'm, you know, like I have, I have anxiety about how I'm going to navigate this. What about the families that we serve who don't have jobs that they can do remotely that have to leave? Right. Um, Mm. They have to work at grocery stores or hospitals or other places like that where you cannot, you can't do things remotely. So then how are their kids going to get support? Um, what if there's not a family member who can stay at home and, you know, yeah. so they go into childcare and then I know we're working with a lot of childcare places to have supports, but the, you know, I've already heard people wondering about, you know, like, well, you know, how many, how many kids are going to be in a room doing this, uh, online learning thing with, you know, somebody who unfortunately childcare providers <laughs> aren't paid very well. And, right. and those things aren't, you know, so like the, so, and the staffing's not great. So it was like one adult going to be in there with like 12 or 15 kids basically saying, I don't know, ask your teacher over and over again. And, you know, I worry about that. What, what about, what about people who are like single parents who've got like three kids at home, you know, right. you know, I, like yeah i I mean i I don't know i mean it feels like and like i feel like the u.s and the uk kind of did the same thing which is like they seem so dead set on reopening businesses and then it got to about the end of july and they were like oh right schools and behind the scenes a lot of people have been doing stuff but it does feel like like yeah like you're saying like kids with special needs kids with access to technology issues kids with food insecurity things like that it's like there's a million different roles that the school was playing that it can't accomplish anymore. And it's, yeah, it's, that sounds, it's such a, a nightmare. Yeah. I have no insight. I'm just like, that's terrible. Wow. <laughs> and there are plans in place and plans that make sense. Right. But you can't make one singular plan that is going to be ideal for every single person. We just have too many different family situations, uh, uh, you know, the way families are set up and, and we have way too many housing situations and employment situations or unemployment situation like there's just too too there's too many constantly moving variables that, for you to create a singular plan that's gonna you know be the best that's gonna be you know 100 for everybody and it's just not and so then then it becomes my job to um you know at our schools you know we've been trying to formulate plans about how we're going to connect with with families to help them mitigate or navigate these issues about devices or or wi-fi or connectivity whether or not they're you know if they if their job situation changed their housing situations change mm-hmm. we've had a lot of that has happened over the summer we know that there are families all across the city 
who are, have lost their jobs or have had to change their jobs or um, had to move out of state. Yeah. You know, well, that's a lot. It is a lot. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I feel. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, I'm working for Queens college here in Oxford, just dealing with some of that stuff, but that's on a college level. I can't even like little kids and, and things like that. Like um, the loss of those years of learning or the potential loss of those you know, months and years of learning is seems like, I don't know, like it would have a devastating knock on effect. It, it'd be curious. I'm sure there's already people designing some longitudinal studies about the impacts of these um, COVID years. And not that I think that we should like. I'm certainly not making an argument that we should say, "Well, then kids need to come to school." I mean, we've seen what happened in other parts of the country where they yeah. they said, "Yeah, kids are going to come to school," and they were in school for a day, and somebody tested positive, and a week later, you know, like a thousand kids are positive for COVID. So I, I certainly don't think that that those were smart ways to go, and I, I I'm grateful that we made the decision early not to do that so we could concentrate on how to make this online thing work as in the best way possible but like i said there's just no there's no right answer um and some some places and some districts are doing better than than others but yeah it'll we'll just have to see how it goes <laughs> i love you andy just did this like sort of positive smile to end that kind of like <laughs> very depressing uh statement uh, i mean i yeah i don't know i feel like i was listening to a thing the other day just even about leavers like as in the fact that for their last year in school just they haven't had to have any of that kind of development of self as well that you get in that final year of your school where you kind of kind of have that i know this sounds ridiculous but that weird like hey it doesn't actually matter if you're cool or not like you just i just am who i am and everyone kind of lets go of all that stuff from the years gone past you have your leavers stuff you know your parties and everything and you get some form of self from that to go out into the world and then become an adult and none of that get invited to any parties when i was a senior I mean that explains a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait, wait! There were parties. They also they were focusing on Uh, college. They were out of town. You didn't. They were. You didn't know them. Yeah, it's cool. Don't worry about it. We were there, but don't worry about it. (laughs) Yeah, like uh, there's a lot of um sort of rites of passage, right? In that that senior year of high school, you know that my my son went through that, and because he was a senior last year, and so he worked his butt off. Um, in school to maintain good grades and because he wanted to he wanted to get into a good school and and you know move on and have this great college experience and so he didn't get a walk across the stage and he didn't and get that diploma and and turn the tassel from one side to the other and, and <laughs> he didn't get to um he, he had plans uh he and a friend were gonna go to um, prom and just you know like it's 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 that last it's all those sort of little rituals that you do go through when you're a senior in high school that brings closure to that experience. And, and it's a once in a lifetime thing. You don't, you don't graduate high school more, more than once typically. I would mm. think. And mm. um, so he didn't, he didn't get all that stuff. And then even the excitement of moving him off to college, he's going away to college. Like there was no road trip. Uh, there was no like going with him to the, to the dorms and, helping him move a bunch of stuff in and, and, and then going to the, going down to target or or whatever uh, and buying all the little fun dorm stuff that you you need for a room. I mean, we, we sent him off to 
college by himself in an airplane with two overly stuffed uh, suitcases of every bit of clothing we could we could pack in there um, mm-hmm. and then he went directly to his dorm and his they basically locked him inside for two weeks uh, and he's still got a he he's been there a week he's got a week to go so a little less than a week but yeah it's 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 weird it's mm-hmm. the, where's the freshman orientation mixer and right. stuff like that right <laughs> that that we got to do when we when we went out to school you're naming a lot of social functions that i have no recollection <laughs> of i <laughs> what's this wait so I, there's a problem <laughs> uh, I, you know i didn't go to prom and i turned out just fine thank you very much oh, yeah. uh, remains to be seen my friend well uh, i i i'm very sorry to hear that about yeah. uh your son yeah. and everything i think it's really tough man it's some everyone's going through some really tough stuff at the moment and hopefully uh we'll have some more positive predictions for the next six months which brings on our exciting next part next part <laughs> of this podcast which is do you have any swing predictions predictions for six months time andy exciting they could be massive predictions what do you think is going to be happening what's your dream six months from now late february it's a lovely late february in seattle it's 50 degrees and raining (laughs) (laughs) you know i think six months from now i would I'm hopeful that there is some movement on a vaccine, vaccine distribution, so that Mm -hmm. if we're not actually making moves to uh, get students back in the classroom, and I would assume that it wouldn't be uh, like a a full stop and switch, you know, like it would be, okay, we've reached this point in our community, so we're going to start transitioning to a hybrid model or something like that, right? So, you know, there's been predictions for quite a while that there, there could be vaccines by, you know, December, January you know, that kind of a thing. And so, you know, in February, could that have been distributed enough? And could we see effects enough that that we could start making plans for that? I think that'd be exciting for a lot of people. I'm hopeful that that might happen. But uh, that's about the only thing I want to predict. <laughs> I'm, right. hoping, I'm hoping that there's in February, there's this big sigh of relief uh, that we have a change in our federal administration. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fingers crossed <laughs> yeah yeah you know i mean i think government's government you know but i just i can't imagine anything being worse than the situation that we are in now <laughs> no matter what. well uh, we'll see <laughs> uh right so, you know, as far as you know so that, many times it's turned out there's no bottom so let's see what six months brings true. and i mean um, i never would have pre- predicted where where we landed with our current president so um what what the hell do i know but so you regret voting for him is what you're saying <laughs> <laughs> he made so many promises <laughs> it sounded really good on paper <laughs> yeah he really on paper he looked so good <laughs> yeah so andy we're not going to say goodbye because through the miracle of editing this conversation will continue but a thing that we've asked our guests to do is to start a joke or a statement that they don't know how gonna end and then we're going to seamlessly edit them together. Does that make sense? I think so. So the start of a sentence, right? I don't yeah. have to do the two guys and go walk into a bar or something like that. No, yeah. no, no. And, and you have six months to think of a good ending to the sentence. All right. By the way, I want to know who predict. Uh, like how many, you said there was alien uh, uh, predictions about aliens. How many of your listeners predicted like alien overlords or something like that? Because I, I, I want to think about the demographic here I'm trying to reach, you know? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think well, it's I only, only one so far only the one so far uh we've had one predict aliens one person predict robot and then the rest all had very dire predictions about the election 
Yeah, it was all yeah. very, very depressing Trump stuff. Yeah, I, I, um, I got kind of excited about robots for a little bit. Did you? Were you guys or either of you doom scrollers? Because I, I got pretty bad at doom scrolling, particularly at the beginning of, of all this stuff. And what's doom scrolling? Where you just go through it, Facebook and yeah, doom scrolling is where you just like look at Facebook. Social media feeds are just regular like news feeds, and mm-hmm. you just scroll through and you and you're basically looking at like death toll tickers and and then just like all the terrible news that's just coming, and you just keep reading the news and news news and i definitely kind of got got into that but one of the things got me really excited was did you see all the robot stuff that was coming out i was actually excited about all this i I thought this was going to be this pandemic uh and it's apocalyptic what robot um, stuff are you talking about what do you mean robot stuff there's robots there's another school district uh uh, one of our neighboring school districts they have like these big scanning machines do you guys remember um total recall and they have to walk through stuff yes and they've got those and like they're gonna like everybody staff students uh, they're gonna walk through there one at a time and it's gonna take your temperature as you walk through it right there are places where there are these robots because they don't want to put people in harm's way you know to get within six feet and like do a temperature check so these robots and you go up and you put your face to this robot and it scans your face and does a temperature check and it asks you all these questions and so yeah i was getting excited about all these robots coming into our life i like i wanted i wanted a a robot for a best friend you know know? (laughs) wow that really hurts andy um (laughs) the most exciting piece of technology in the last six months has been i don't know if there's anything interesting i mean i i thought about talking about you know the rmna vaccine stuff but that that's like all in the news that's boring i thought about talking about robots but (laughs) (laughs) whatever you're excited to talk about i you know i i thought you were gonna totally say the best technology thing was the mars rover the new Mars rover, oh, yeah. which is a I cool robot. That too. It is a robot, and it's on Mars, and I want to go to Mars. It's yeah. Mars, and it's it's who doesn't? Yeah, really? and it's got and, and I I just saw the a cool picture. My family doesn't want to go. Oh, they don't want to go. <laughs> Leave them. They're just holding you back. <laughs> no, and they they just released a picture from Mars. It was one of those cool 360 pictures, yeah. like you see when people go to the beach or realtors use. You know. <laughs> <laughs> So now we have real litter technology on Mars. That's crazy. <laughs> you know they call perseverance, right? I'm guessing why they called it perseverance is it's going to go there. It's going to find all these amazing samples. And then it's going to sit there and wait. Until somebody can pick it up. <laughs> Ten years before they can get those samples. Yeah, they should just send people there. <laughs> have you ever heard like the stats are like the things that we've done with all these rovers over the years? If we just sent a person we could have gotten all that information in like a day like it's just like <laughs> it's like the, the the like the robots are great and they're incredibly advanced but it's like the things they can do are nothing compared to like if you just had a guy there in a suit or a girl yeah. in a suit <laughs> but then, anyways you know, everybody says though that's a, that doing so would be a one-way trip so, like, that's hard to get somebody to volunteer to do that. Listen, I think we need to stop asking for volunteers and start kidnapping <laughs> people <laughs> off the street. straws. <laughs> um, I actually had a friend who's, well, I have a friend. I haven't spoken to him in a long time, but um, we worked together years ago. And his dad was involved with the Mars landing, not the last, not this one, not the one before, but the one before that, that wasn't okay. actually successful. And I think... <laughs> well, it, that's what you get when you put Australians in, in Bob. Yeah. 
he's actually <laughs> British. Thank you. But oh, well. um, <laughs> but I what I thought was like sometimes I feel so upset with myself, like as in like, if I make a mistake or I do something that's stupid or whatever. But then I think of this this guy's dad, and I think like <laughs> they literally spent years on that, like years, and then it got there and it didn't work or that it didn't land properly or something happened, and you just think like the disappointment that must have come with that. Like it would just be crushing. I think they spent three years of their life preparing for it or something. And um, right. yeah, that's just crazy. It, it's, it, you know, so anyway, I don't know, maybe that's just really depressing, but how long does it actually take to, to get to Mars? About three months, I think. Is that all? That's not very long. Yeah. I oh, I thought it was like a year. Yeah. yeah. I didn't think so. I could be wrong. I thought it was like three months. Oh. Must be pricey though. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, ticket. first off, the round trip ticket is just, you can't afford it. Nobody can afford it. <laughs> there was probably a lot of people only a couple of years ago saying, you know, uh, humans would not be able to withstand isolation for that long. Well... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, the last year or so, we've all sort of been in this experiment, right? Because they've been doing experiments like NASA has done, like long-term isolated uh, habitation experiments and stuff in yeah. very different climates to, to, to see about that exact kind of thing. And now, like, everybody's done it, so we can all, anybody can go, you know, pick people off the street. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Kidnap people yeah. off the street. <laughs> Andy, enough about yeah. this. How have you been, man? How's it been the last six months? Interesting. Yeah. As I listened back and, and I was thinking, man, I, I don't think I would have predicted where I was going to be uh, at this time. Okay. Um, which is kind of what I said at dur during that time. Like, I don't think anybody can predict that kind of stuff anymore. Like, you can't predict anything more than a couple of weeks out. Yeah. One would have hoped that things got under control, but man, it just keeps, uh, life just keeps kind of uh, sending curveballs, right? Yeah. And so I'm good. You know, my family's healthy and, uh, you know, I, I'm still employed and all, all that kind of stuff. But my functions of my job have changed quite dramatically. You know, the, watching my kids go through school has been an interesting experience. And then I got bored and taken on a few hobbies and and, <laughs> and just started ripping my house apart. And, uh, I'll, I'll fix this and I'll fix that. And yeah. <laughs> Well, I'll start with your house because I saw pictures of your house today because <laughs> you posted some on Facebook and you tore out your kitchen and your living room and your bedroom. Yeah. There was did like the one it? half of your house. I realized I was like, oh, yeah, he did all the other rooms and yeah. now he's doing the other half of his house. All those rooms, by the way, are much smaller and our entire family is now living in the Lopez room. <laughs> I was thinking about that, too. Yeah. So why, was there a reason you did them all at once instead of just doing one at a time? Well, we sort of have done most of the work in the bedroom. Room and in the living room but the kitchen was like a pretty big hall and i wasn't going to be able to do all of that by myself but we had some pretty nasty carpet that came with the house when we bought it and you know it it was old and it needed to be taken up mm -hmm. and we wanted to go with hardwoods because we liked that and the rest of the house we thought it would look nice but we're like well if we're going to do that we're going to do the bedroom and then we're like well you know what we, i was going to do tile in the kitchen but we were decided to go hardwood in the kitchen so we're doing it all the way through and that necessitates us not being able to like be in there like we thought well we can just because you know when we were modeling the bedroom like we just took all the other furniture out except for the bed well now everything's got to be out there we can't sleep in there so we've got this den and it's packed to the gills with all kinds of furniture and then my daughter's room is basically turned into like our living room and in our dining room and her bedroom and then my son's bedroom <laughs> is basically another bedroom and but where everybody goes to school so and that's pretty much it whoa and it's really hard to do one room 
room of hardwood floor and then have a guy come back in a few months. You know, I mean, it, it can be done, but right. every time the hardwood is gets done, we have to vacate the house when they seal it because the of the chemicals and stuff they use. So we didn't want to do that multiple times. And we've been hating our kitchen ever since we moved into that house and we just decided to do it. And it sort of sparked all these other things. So it was a domino effect. Well, it sounds exciting. It sounds yeah. really, yeah. It'll be I've exciting been... when it's done for sure. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a, a big, that's a classic uh, quarantine project uh, yeah. that I think a lot of people <laughs> have been embarking on. Yeah. And that was it's... the other reason we wanted to kind of compact it all together because it, it would really prolong how much it affects the kids. And right now, like, yeah. me, my wife and I, we just kind of split. You know, like one of us sleeps in a room with a kiddo, sleeps in the other with a kiddo because that's, you know, just what we got to do. And they love that because they like, you know, all the extra cuddle time and stuff. But That's so sweet. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, but we can't, we can't do that forever. And, and Right. That's why we threw it all together. Yeah, so you spent a year stuck inside with your family, and then you said, you know what we need is less space. <laughs> <laughs> exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah, like, if only we could be, like, just on top of each other in a big old pile all the time. Yeah. And you, th you throw the dog in there and the <laughs> turtle. <laughs> just everybody's in there. Everybody. Have you got a turtle? Yeah, I got a tortoise. Tortoise, Aww. sorry. Mr. Buttons, mm -hmm. um, who we later found out is actually a girl. We we improperly gendered our tortoise, but that's why I always called her Professor Buttons. We tried to um, <laughs> switch it to Mrs. Buttons, but it just never stuck. Everybody just so she's just Mr. Buttons. It's just, mm. that's, that's cool. She I seems mean, she, okay. With yeah, me. I love. I oh God, it'd be nice to have a pet. I get. I keep getting tempted to get a dog, and then I'm like, no, must not get a dog. I already have two toddlers to look after, and that is enough. But they're so cute, you know. Yeah, yeah. it's like having a toddler for years. You know. Did you yeah. Did you have the dog when we talked to you before? No. We got the dog in October. Oh yeah, oh, so that's what kind new. Of dog oh. is it? Um, it, a rescue. We didn't want to, you know. It's it was it's actually quite hard. A lot of people were getting dogs. It's another sort of COVID quarantine thing that people did. Yeah. And you hear all all kinds of people doing it. My wife has always wanted a dog, and she kept looking. But every time she found a, you know, what she was looking for, the size and the and the type of dog, they were gone. They just like COVID like closed down a whole lot of the regular avenues to to rescue pets, and they they sort of became like these large like pet clearing houses that were developed to, you know, across the country. So the parameters for which she was looking for sort of started to broaden, you know, because she couldn't find a dog. Dogs kept getting bigger and the breed uh, just kept getting bigger. <laughs> Uh, so now we have a horse. <laughs> <laughs> we found this. He's a really handsome dog. He's some sort of uh, shepherd mix. Aww, but he was it. rescued. Yeah, found on the side of a road, starving, and somebody Aww. rescued him. And so we we got him, and he's he's really sweet. He's good with the kids, and he's still kind of a puppy, but he's doing okay. It's he's definitely we're stressing him out a little bit, but I think he's he's okay. oh yeah, he's all the way from Texas, right? That's where he came from. Mm -hmm. yeah. Crazy. Well, that's cool. That sounds like a a very nice bit of news yeah. <laughs> said it like that so andy so what is going on with schools in seattle with with your school and with schools in general i was listening to the news today and they were talking about you know the the, the biden administration's plan they want everybody back in school by the end of april five days a week or but it's like i guess that's the top line message but it's like it's kind of just like there's got to be nuance to it and different communities different things but how are things with you 
or with your particular school district? Um, it's 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 frustrating. You know, we've been operating. Uh, so I, I know we talked back in September, but I'm not sure what the date was when we when we talked. And I, I'm not even sure if school had started. It's, it was a week before school started. Um, so, um, at the exact know, date. We've been 100% online, and everybody was a little bit worried about it, including myself. But you know, it, it's works surprisingly well in a lot of ways. I mean, there's obviously downfalls to that form of educating kids. Uh-huh. Not ideal, but it's it's interesting how much we've found that, that it really works for some kids. It really sort of speaks to the way that they think and how they process. There are some kids hmm. absolutely thriving in this and are doing better did in the classroom um, because they don't have the social distractions or, you know, like they have some you know, they may have anxiety disorders or social behavior um, issues that um, are exacerbated in classrooms. So there's that, which is interesting. Is it like a high, is it like half? Is it like a small percentage that was normally kind of maybe falling behind? And or like what, what kind of numbers are we? It's a pretty small percentage. I don't think anybody's really tracking it. We're just noticing, particularly our kids who some of our kids who struggle the most in school uh-huh. are some are some of that population is doing really well. Wow. And some, some of those who struggle the most are still struggling. That that's also true. So I don't I don't yeah. think it was a magic bullet for some, but it, it definitely is an interesting thing that I don't think a lot of people predicted. Um, including hmm. for my own son who is actually thriving this year and has learned quite a bit he's he's really made a lot of progress in learning how to read and he's how old is he he's seven and he was he Hmm. was behind in reading he was struggling and and mainly because he's he's quite distractible Hmm. he's still distractible it's not like this cured him or anything but he can be on a screen and his hands can be filled with legos and he could be just kind of manipulating those legos and nobody cares right all right Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah. So, so he's allowed to play with the Lego and that almost helps him in a way. Yeah. It, it, it occupies a portion of his brain. And, and there's some processing. You know, he's got too many things going on upstairs. And so when he is uh, able to, to do that, then it, he's able to, to focus in on, on what's happening in class. And, you know, so th- that's the kind of stuff that when I was a teacher, I mean, I had little things like that because there, there are kids who come through your class who you know need that kind of thing but not all teachers do that yeah. and not all teachers kind of allow for that and and even even when i was doing it it was a it was a fine balance because a kid's with a kid with a handful of legos in a room with 20 other kids they all want legos too but some of those kids can't have legos and and still process the math that we're doing because they're yeah. 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 building a replica of the london bridge or whatever so um, you know, so like you have to have this kind of strange balance and I would have to, have, you know, talk to um, the whole class like this is a tool that's for him because, you know, he needs this in order to access math and have a, have that conversation with the kindergartner and just like really try and dive into that. It's kind of tough. So he can do that stuff here. No conversation really needs to be had, you know, and so oh, and, and nobody else knows that he's doing it unless he's hmm. in front which sometimes he, he does, but, you know, they're all yeah. home and they, they do that kind of stuff too. And for some kids, it, it's a distraction and they need to have their attention called back and for the kids. It's what keeps them in front of the screen. How many um, hours a day is he doing this sort of online school? So the district has a schedule. It's 8.30 to 3 every single day. For Wednesdays. Really? Yeah, Wednesdays is an early release for professional development for teachers. So, um, by the way, I have to leave at 2 o'clock. Um, cause today's Wednesday. <laughs> okay. We won't keep you that long. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think we will either. So it, that's a long time, but it's not the entire time. So there's within that time frame, 
there's set amounts of uh, expected time that the teachers are to engage with students in a live session and how many minutes for each content area. And then mm-hmm. and there's breaks built into that. And then there's what they call asynchronous learning, which then we use another platform where they go online and they can find assignments and then they can log in and do those assignments and post the results. And- mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I think I, I've always felt like maybe we have too much time, like as in maybe children have too much time that they have to be in a, in a classroom. So in some ways, like maybe it's good that they can have more breaks. I don't know, like, I remember maybe reading something somewhere that was like, actually, you can only focus for like 45 minutes or 50 minutes or something like that in a row on one thing. Mm-hmm. It's even less for younger kids. Yeah, so yeah. it just seems unfair to kind of have them having to do work for a really long, long time. Yeah, and it's another sort of like silver lining of this platform has been that the, the big word in education circles is differentiation. Like how do you, you can't teach everything the same to everybody. Kids learn different in different ways and kids' interests vary. So mm-hmm. what, even though you might be talking about something that, you know, two thirds of your class find interesting, the other third has checked out because they don't give a crap. So with the asynchronous platform, like you are, you can really put up a lot of different things for um, kiddos to explore Maybe that's, um, that might challenge them, enrich them. Some things that uh-huh. might be tailored directly to their needs. And so, like, those are little things that we're really discovering can be beneficial. Kids, kids are definitely learning. But, yeah, it's it's been an interesting journey. And it's, I've never, I don't think I've ever been busier. I, hey, man, I'm catching up. I got my first gray streak. I joked about how, like, this is, uh, I got my first gray streak. <laughs> Great. You're 10 years older than me, and you've got... <laughs> I've got my first gray hair. So I joked about how yeah. the year that I'd get him, and, and, and I did. Um, my Unfortunately, yeah. my principal had to go out on leave. Um, we got an interim principal, but, you know, she doesn't know our building or our community, so she kind of took over some of the stuff that would be easier for, easy for her to step into, and, and I'm mm-hmm. busy as all get out, um, because she went on leave in, like, October. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, that's That's... Too bad. I'm sorry you're so busy. So you're saying that a lot of the students are doing online learning and they seem to be doing well. Do you feel like they're doing as well as they would necessarily like overall like as no. you say that it is good for some students i mean i mean i guess i have two that two questions one is do you think they're doing as well overall and then also do you think that when things kind of return to in-person classes do you think this will kind of inform about like the ways that students are taught or like are people rethinking kind of the idea of in-person classrooms or or as a whole or you know like the the schedule of schools or whatever yeah i hope people are rethinking it because i think there's a lot to be learned and i think that there's been some interesting developments that we did not foresee and 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 did not accurately predict but you know overall are they doing as well i i I don't really think so i mean i you know of all the positive things i was just saying i i I don't think that this is the way to of the future for education but i do think that there's some interesting possibilities out there and i i kind of wonder too about you know like we have alternative learning pathways for secondary kids you know kids who are in middle school and high school who just who can't really seem to function very well like they can't it doesn't work like regular schooling doesn't work but oftentimes they have to almost be failing out of their classes before like oh here's this alternative setting and you can do a lot of stuff online and then they have that that option. Well, maybe we could be thinking about that as an option for anybody who wants to opt in whenever they want to. And it's only for second. Mm-hmm. Maybe we could create an online elementary academic academy or I don't know, something like that for students who who would be able to um, like access their learning in this way. You know, like it, that. There's a lot of infrastructure that have to happen that way. But 
I think when we come back, I think there's going to be a whole lot of relearning around the social interactions. Plus, we're going to have new um, health and safety protocols that we're going to have to be thinking about for a right. long time. The school district announced back in December that we were going to come back for in-person services on March 1st. And it has been a like insane amount of work. It's, it's like 90% of what I'm doing every day is, is going from one meeting to another and talking about these things and like the logistics. And I'm, I feel like I'm kind of spinning my wheels um, because we're doing a lot of stuff. But it, just like everything else with COVID, things keep changing. And there's a, yeah. there's a lot. Uh, it's not just like, oh, we just do it. Like you have to set up the infrastructure for busing and meals. And you have to, what about, you know, the teachers and the supplies? And, you know, you can't have the same number of kids in the classroom, you know, like all that kind of stuff. And it's been an uphill battle and it's it's been delayed we, we will not meet march 1st um goal you know this, so they're going to push it back but i'm not sure when we'll do it and then and then there's the the notion of diminishing returns right i mean march 1st we're we're past 100 days of school and here by law we have to have 180 days of instruction so we're well past the halfway point you know we're going to have maybe 70 days left of school and we've already delayed it so at what point do we, you know, like, is there is there a cutoff that if it gets delayed, we're going to come back for the last 50 days of school, 40 days of school? Like, what, right? you know, what do we do? Yeah, at what point do you say, like, well, let's <laughs> let's just call this year a wash and we'll start fresh in the fall. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, and there's people on both sides of it. There are parents who are like, what is wrong with you? Get my kid back into school. And there are parents right. who are saying, what is wrong with you? I don't want my kids going to school and bringing sure. food back. Right. Particularly, you know, we've got a lot of at my school, we've got a lot of families who are uh, students living in multi-generational households. Um, We've got students who are in more at risk categories, people of color. Uh, So uh, we've got a a large sped uh, special education population, um, some of which have underlying health conditions that are um, associated with their special needs. So this but it. Yeah, so the, I, I see both sides of it. I, I don't know what the answers are. I know that yeah. uh, uh, it, it's a complicated mess, and I think there's a, a lot of options and a lot of things to think about. I hope that people are thinking more about the, the why we do schooling as opposed to the how we do schooling. Because if you just think about the how we do schooling, we're going to end up exactly where we were you know, for the last however many decades, right? Yeah. Only with masks on, you know, and, and more hand washing or something. And if we can really think more about why we do it, that could lead to new ways of how that might be more effective, that might meet the needs of more kiddos, that might be more responsive to the different learning styles, cultural backgrounds, um, and family you know, family needs that are out there. Yeah. Wow, Andrew, that's really beautiful. It's really, like, enlightening that you feel that way about it and I really it's amazing to hear someone talking about it like that and I think yeah it'd be amazing if that was able to be much more widespread I guess I don't know are people thinking like this like is this a kind of I don't know I don't talk to many uh a huge number of teachers well I can't take credit for all all, all those I mean, I'm reading a lot of articles I'm meeting with a lot of other um, leaders in the district and you know like we're all you know talking about these kinds of things and and um, so yeah I, I'm not I, I'm not the innovator here I'm, I'm amalgamating I'm, I'm synthesizing a lot of information that I've read or heard or, or discussed but yeah there's just some you know that it's not a simple solution and, and 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 unfortunately I think there are 
you know, political factors and economic factors at, at play that are um, driving some of the decisions and, and delays and, and things like that as well. It does seem like this, because the, the kind of person stands in front of a group of kids in a classroom model, which has existed for ever, like hundreds of years, literally. And now you have like the kind of the biggest change in the way that we're teaching kids on mass in a, in a very long time. And so then if there are positive lessons to be taken from that, or like an, an element of technology to be used, you know, that could maybe innovate. Is that that kind of the idea or? Yeah. You know, like, could there be more of a hybrid learning model? Yeah. You know, like, if we talk about like 21st century skills, which is a big, you know, sort of um, buzz term in, in education, I'm like, you want kids with 21st century skills. And well, one of them is going to be, you know, sort of agency autonomy. Right. And having options that you can go to on that, like an asynchronous uh, learning platform could be part of it. We talk about like digital citizenship. Well, you know, like having an online platform can really talk to you a lot about digital citizenship in a, in a practical kind of a way. So I, I, I don't think that there's really any decent substitute for kids being able to come together and play and run and have like those that that dramatic play where, you know, that make-believe kind of a stuff where, you know, kids kids need and crave structure and, and routine. But at the same time, they also need unstructured time together so that they can explore social boundaries, so they can explore, you know, elements of their own identity and personality. Mm-hmm. You know, some of those things can be handled online and some of those things cannot. So, you know, what, what's the balance there? Yeah. Really fascinating stuff so the the march first deadline that's been pushed back mm-hmm. you know again there's like families that are like we want our kids out of the house we want them back in school you know because maybe they have jobs they need to get to maybe they feel like their kids are struggling but also you know you have the other contingent saying the exact opposite thing is there an element of like people who want to come back will let them come back or is that even an option or and the people who don't well i'll, I'll tell you what art so the the plan was for preschool kindergarten and first grade to come back on march 1st just that mm-hmm and the, I, I took a little bit of issue with that. It, it seemed, I don't know, like, I, I was thinking just like you were, there's got to be families out there who, who need this to happen because yeah. they cannot work remotely or they can't even go out and find a job because they have children at home. And if they have, like I do, a first grader and a third grader in their home, yeah. what good does the, the pre-K through first grade model do to them? It doesn't. It sends one of their kids off, but their third grader is still stuck at home. And are you going to leave an eight or nine-year-old at home by yourself while you go work? I mean, you know, like, you know, one of the things we've done at our school is we seeing through attendance issues and uh, other factors that we knew were the families who were struggling the most to, to get their kids online and get their kids in uh, class is um, worked with some community partners to develop an off-site space where it's not in-person schooling or anything, but it's a place where kids can go where there's reliable, consistent adult supervision. Mm-hmm. There is a safe space for them to sit and, and, and work with reliable high-speed internet. Oh. We'll get them food, uh, you know, and we'll, we'll bust them there. And it was a heavy list. It, it took months to get this in action, but we just launched it on Monday. And oh. we have space for 20 families, and right now we've got 16 families signed up. So 16 more families that their whole family is being looked at, not just the preschool, kindergarten, and first. So that allows that family then to work to, or to search for a job or to do the things that they need to do during the day. 
and we also we already had a partnership with um, another organization, the Boys and Girls Club. We just worked to get some more funding in place for them so they could double their capacity because they're working out of our actual school building. So, yeah. you know, we're, we're we're getting upwards towards you know. 30, 40 families that will have supports that wouldn't otherwise, uh, you know, where they can get their kids supports outside of the house so they can go to work or, or look for work or do what they need to do. Oh, that's fantastic. That's great. Yeah, I think models like that is what we should be considering. If you had small hubs like that throughout, dotted throughout the city, like we look for a community partner in our community to serve the kids in our community. But if you had hubs like that all over the city, it might be something um, that families who are ready to do that would would sign up for so they could get out of the house and go to work. So, some of whom may be working from home remotely, but they're in a small home or apartment and they can't do their jobs remotely while supporting the two kids that they have at home. You know, yeah. my wife is, she's about to finish, she'll be done with grad school in, in April. Oh. She was going to be done sooner, but because of the demands on, on me and what I had to do, I wasn't much help to her. I did what I could. But she was, t- she did the brunt of helping the kids, which is, not, you know, pretty typical. Uh, you know, like women have taken the brunt of these new conditions, right? She sacrificed a whole nother term, adding a whole nother term to her grad school time. The nice thing is now she's she's only got one class this term, so she's got more flexibility to help with the kids and things like that. And she'll be done in April. So, but it was it was a struggle for her too. She couldn't finish her other term had I not just like said, I can't go into the building. I need to be at home. I need to help my kid with math. Right. Right. And sometimes you just can't do that. Mm. It's good that you guys are getting the community help. That you're, you know, that you're able to, to reach out and help those people in the community that do need that extra help. Because, yeah, that is the, the major thing. It seems like when people talk about school reopening, like it's just yeah. it's just a bad thing. Are you I don't know what the rules are in Washington. Are, are teachers getting vaccinated? Is that kind of a priority in Washington? Uh, yeah, it's kind of like what you were saying before, like when you, you read the headlines and then you dive into the article and things are different. There's been a lot mm-hmm. of talk about vaccinating teachers and how they're going to prioritize that. But when you read deeper into the articles, nothing's nothing's changed. They talked about mm. prioritizing it, but every state's doing it differently. That's not helpful because when you read national headlines, you know, like what they're doing in Georgia or New York or whatever is not the same in our state. And they have a very complicated sort of phase approach. Like original, I don't even, I stopped watching because I was like phase I, I was like phase one B tier four, right? Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. And as far as I know, my the status hasn't changed. Uh, yeah, I'm, yeah. Phase phase one B tier four is just like what does that even mean? And right, I, I think you're in trouble no matter what you do. Oregon State they prioritize teachers over the elderly. Right. So the teachers were getting their vaccination mm-hmm. before, like, you know, octogenarians and things. And people were mad, you know, so, I, I, you know, like no matter what you do, you're going to you're going to piss off some constituency. Yeah. But I haven't really looked to try and get a vaccine because, quite frankly, there's, there's not, you know, we're not seeing kids in the building for in-person services. We have um, kids who um, receive special education services can come in on a case by case basis. It has, there's this long approval process and stuff. Uh-huh. So we have two students coming into our building right now to receive services in person that based on what their IEP goals are. It's only two kiddos, so I don't I don't feel like I'm in desperate need of a vaccination. But if they did move to in person services where a, a 
large amount of kids are going to be coming in every single day. Right. I think that changes. And I think if I were a teacher, I would want to do something. It's not that the kids are going to get sick, right? We know that kids do pretty well with the virus. They, they can catch it. They can certainly replicate it and spread it. They tend not to get sick. So either I'm going to get it. I'm going to pass it to a kid. And they're going to take it home to their multi-generational family, which I'm not super stoked about. Or they're going to come from their families and pass it to pass it to our teachers or to a, a classmate who then take it home. Again, I can understand all sides of this, and I don't know what the what the answer is, but I don't know where I'm at. I haven't really pursued it. I suppose I could. I know my my dad's got his shot. My mom got. I think my dad got his second shot. My mom's getting, just got her first. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good. Like my parents got theirs, and that was it huge relief and that was and my wife's father he got his so that was kind of the only things that we were really super concerned about and we figured we could wait on ours yeah yeah roll the dice on that yeah my mom was the last in that whole like all my dad my dad and all his siblings and spouses and stuff all of them had yeah. both of had gotten at least one shot and my my mom got turned away she said they couldn't get hers and that Jeez. wow so she just tried another way you know and i've heard that you know our the interim principal that was working here, who's a retired principal, and so she and her husband made an appointment. They went. They said he could get his, but she couldn't get hers. So they both cut mm. their arms and left, and they made an appointment somewhere else, and they were able to both get in. But, yeah, it's it's a complicated process that I don't even try to understand because I'm just going to just gonna wait. Yeah. Andrew, was there anything listening back to the first half of this that you that surprised you or that you'd sort of forgotten and, and you were like, oh, wow. I didn't realize how much I talked about education in my job. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know it's, uh, why you, uh, it, that's what you wanted to, to talk about. But, I yeah, I just remember it, it was, it felt like hanging out with, um, with Matt and meeting his new friend Tara. So... <laughs> that was kind of nice. So yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, I sound like, like somebody who you know takes her job seriously and all that kind of stuff. Which you know, that's good, I suppose. But you do. I mean, despite the Star Wars shirt, it seems like you take your job very seriously. <laughs> I I am a serious man who wears button-down shirts with Star Wars. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No well, one could I've ever been, say. Uh, I've been really grateful. You know, it's been really insightful talking to you, and I've um I've definitely really enjoyed it. I think it's such an honorable job, you know. And I think podcaster, it, you mean? We're we're it is we're pretty honorable people. You're right. It is. I definitely don't think we can call this a job, Matt. But. Oh. <laughs> But uh, I uh, I hope that it goes well and that you are safe and, and that you do get to have the vaccine and, um, you know, wish you all the very best with it. I appreciate that. And I hope yeah. the same for you and your and your little ones. And Thank you. Yeah. So, Andy, just, you know, before we let you go, what's what's next for you? Is it, was is there any, like, big, I mean, there's a kitchen project coming up, which is a big personal project. Yeah. That sounds big. And then reopening school. Yeah. I mean, what 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 do you think is... Uh, My per... I think they're going to keep working at it. My personal feelings, and again, this is my personal feelings. I really think it's something's going to crash and burn and make it not happen. And whether that's negotiations with teacher contracts or just some sort of infrastructural thing that they can't pull off or some kind of parent revolt, I don't know. I kind of feel like it's not going to happen. But I, like many other areas of the economy, the school budgets are decimated. Yeah. And my job has been reduced for next year. Oh, no. Yeah. That's pretty typical. It happens almost every year. Um, and this, uh. we're fairly lucky in that the reductions that are happening this year are pretty similar to what happened last year. And 
so my my position went down to half time. Um, but we. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, but every year we can. There there are mechanisms within the budgeting process where we can find ways to prioritize what positions we want to keep. And there's you know there's a process. We vote. And we talk to the, the teachers and, and you know our BLT is just our building leadership team. And we make budgetary recommendations and stuff. And this happened last year, and they voted to fund me. You know so. There's a possibility I'll have, I'll be full time, no problem. But I do think that uh, yeah. this is something that I deal with every single year, and it's not very much fun. Mm. And so I'll probably be looking at what principalships might be around. So move move it on up and uh, from assistant principal to principal. And, um, that's something. I'll, oh, fantastic! That's something. Well, I'll, hope, that's good. I that's something so. I'll explore. That'd be great. We're really excited. Jill, like I said, Jill's going to be done in April, and so. What's her degree in again? Master's in Library and Information Science. So, oh, okay. With the with that degree, she and her her specialty is um, archival studies. So, uh, to be an archivist. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I forgot. You guys are going to move to Oxford <laughs> and work at one of the many libraries here. So, <laughs> anybody over at the Bodleian, you gotta like you know like, drop. Yeah. Your name. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we'll just kind of see where that goes. Um, the the beauty of what being an educator. Um, is that the, those jobs are not site specific? You know, it's not like I'm an aeronautics engineer, and there's only you know a few like major aer- aeronautics companies. That right. Anymore. Every town in America or across the world really has education opportunities there. So we'll see. I don't think we're planning on moving or anything, but if if that's what's in the cards, the, the problem, the, the other problem, just like what she's doing and what I'm doing is that they're also largely publicly funded, which means they're not funded very well. <laughs> so uh, the the job prospects for her might not be might not be very great. A lot of libraries are closed down or working with skeleton crews. She may have to look in like private sector, you know, because there are plenty of private companies that do that have libraries, right? Yeah. Lego has its own library, you know, Nintendo has its own library and they have archivists. Like that. So, you know, um, Tommy Tommy Bahama has a library. Huh? Yeah, they catalog all the fashions that's ever been that they've ever produced, and, and you know, so what? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, there are other opportunities out there, but I just don't know. Judging just from how you guys didn't know that, there's probably not that many out there, right? <laughs> I don't know. We're not, we're not really library. We're not a library podcast here. We do <laughs> not our specialty. <laughs> but well, that's that's good. I'm I'm congratulations to Jill. That's exciting. I'm glad she got her master's done. Oh, and yeah, I hope you find a um, principal ship soon so you can sail the principal ship to the stars. Yeah. Oh God, you said you weren't going to bring that back, Matt. <laughs> I wasn't. No. <laughs> anyways, but we uh, we should uh, get let you go. Um, anyways, but thanks again, Andy, for for talking to us and telling us about all the uh, give, giving us your expertise on education and, and whatnot. Yeah, thank you for naming it expertise. <laughs> <laughs> it's been really lovely to talk to you. Yeah, this has been great. Most people we ask if they have social media, but you really don't have social media. So, do you have anything no. you want to plug? I don't. Plug. I don't I, I, I'm not much for that. My my wife uh, will say, "Hey, I got a TikTok to show you," and that's about that's about as far as I get. So, is Jill on TikTok? She w- looks at TikTok. I don't know if she's got an. account. I, I suppose to sign up, you got to have an account, right? But she never. Yeah, but you want to plug uh, schools. Send your kids there, <laughs> or don't. <laughs> I don't know. It's up in the air. Uh, but. <laughs> No. Support public schools. Write your congressman. Uh, stay six feet apart. Wear your mask. 
know, yeah. we'll plug all that stuff. I, I'd love to plug not getting COVID. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get COVID if you can. Oh, plug the vaccine. Get the vaccine. Get the vaccine. Yeah. Cuddle. Everybody get the vaccine. Babies at home, cuddle them. And babies are anywhere from like zero to like, you know, 18, and, you know, as, as long as it's consensual cuddling, don't scar your children, but yeah. <laughs> appreciate it more. Aww. All right. So, so Andy's cuddling. plugging cuddling and schools and <laughs> the vaccine. Yeah, right. That good plugs. Cause he's got, he's got, you know, frankly, he's got stakes in all of them. He's got a little bit, <laughs> you know, he's being paid off by big cuddles. Well, good luck with the renovation. I'll, I'll post uh, some more pictures at some point. I'm sure. I'm curious to see. Yeah. Okay. yeah. What you're going to do. All right. Sounds take care, Andy. Take Bye. Care. Bye. Obviously, I don't want this going in the podcast, but I've, I've got like, I guess a bit of, oh, actually, you know what? It, it yeah, it can go in the podcast. It's fine. I, I, um, <laughs> I basically, um, it's just been a, I don't know. I think it's just been probably the most hor- horrific week financially that we've had ever. Uh, oh, no. just, like one thing after another. So like I told you last week about the visa stuff. Yeah. So all of that ended up costing like £5,000. And then... But are they going to let you stay? That's all fine. But it's okay. more just the expense of it is a bit of a nightmare. And then uh, I still don't know if I get to actually go on to my permanent residency next or whether I have to wait the five years, you know, so I have to wait for the home office to get back on that. Oh, I see, I see. But anyway, so five grand gone and then our front door is broken. <laughs> so, and it's a, it has to be a fire door and they are just ridiculously expensive. So the minimum we can pay for a fire door to be installed is like just over 1,600 pounds. And then, and then on the weekend... Our car bonnet flew up and basically the insurance company has, has written off our car. <laughs> so it's just been, it's been like in this like last week uh, because obviously yeah. we've got to now buy a new car and they're only going to give us back like, you know, probably half what we paid for our car originally. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to have to, and the car, like to replace the car, I'm looking at cars that are like five grand more than we paid for it already. So We've literally, it's been like a 10,000 pound loss week, basically. Like it's been one of those weeks where you're just like, thank God we have savings because I don't know how people, you know, because a lot of people don't have savings and I don't know, you'd be in real trouble now. Like, so I'm grateful that I've saved, but at the same time, I feel slightly angry because I'm like, I've saved all this money and now it's, you know, we've we've worked hard to save this money and and I, but do you know what? It's just been such an exercise in like letting go. As I think I said last week as well, it's just been further letting go since last time. uh, (laughs) Where It's like, how how much more do I have to let go? It's like, I have nothing left. (laughs) I know, like, I feel like this is some kind of cruel testing, like, you know, Job in the Bible. Like, it just feels like, what, like, why is this? happening and i'm really hoping this is the end of it please but you know Mm. i anyway it's you know as i said to will like like the main thing is that we have each other and we have our beautiful babies and i'm so grateful for that and when you think about the number of people who have lost loved ones in the last 12 months and you know they're the real issues uh and i talked to a friend and she's pregnant and she's in hospital and you know she's got some really uh, serious complications and I was so upset and I just thought you know 
that's the stuff that matters. Like this is just money. Like what we're going through is money. And yes, it's frustrating, but it's just money. It's not life. Right. What matters is life and people. Right. Wait, how'd you break your front door? Uh, just kicking it. I just love to kick it. It brings me great joy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was like, yeah, were you raided by the cops? Like, why is your front door broken? <laughs> it's been a very gradual process of breaking. I Like, it just expanded a lot because of winter, I guess. Oh, okay. I don't, so, it's expanded. Every winter, it seems to expand more for some reason. And then it got to the point the other day where it was like, I can't open this door. Like, I genuinely can't. I'm there, like, pulling it. And I had my hand in the letterbox and my other hand on the handle. I could not get it open. And then my husband came and he couldn't get it open. And I was like, oh, my God, we're we're literally trapped in our own. <laughs> it's not a very effective fire door. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, it's effective for protecting the rest of the apartment building. Yeah, I guess uh, so. And <laughs> keeping us trapped inside with the fire. But um, anyway, he ended up having to go and get some tool to, like, unwedge the door. But- oh, an unwedger. Yeah, I have one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they're called. You know, tools... They're like... A crowbar? Yes, a crowbar. <laughs> it's got a tool 101, Tara. I feel like you should know that one. Listen, I don't know about these things. It's actually, I was going to say it's manly business, but that's completely untrue. I love doing uh, all that stuff, you know, fixing stuff. Anyway. When I first met Alice, I was installing a kitchen in my old apartment. Oh. Because I moved into an apartment without a kitchen. What? And <laughs> part of the deal with it was like, Hey, I was like, when I moved in, I was like, hey, if if I install a kitchen in here, can I just take the materials off my rent? And she was like, yeah, okay. Oh, wow. I just did that. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't save any money, but it was like a fun project to do. I didn't Um, know you could install kitchens. Is this like a thing that you can do? I mean, installing a kitchen is not, I mean, I, I put in cabinets. I built cabinets and a countertop and then like a little bar. And then I installed a sink. There was no sink. For some reason, the only sink was in the bathroom. Did you get a plumber in to do the sort of plumbing for the sink and stuff? No. What, you did that yourself? Yeah, it's not rocket science. (laughs) Oh, my God. I am blown away by this. This is amazing. I got like a secondhand sink at like Habitat for Humanity like store that sold like old, like people would be renovating houses. They donated all the old appliances, things that still work, like light fixtures. So I got like um, an old sink or whatever. Anyways, the whole point was every time I went to Home Depot when I was first dating Alice, like I'd just be like, oh, you want to go to Home Depot? And she'd be like, yeah, because she loves science and she loves cool science stuff. And so every time we went, I'd I'd be like, I'll I'll buy you one tool. And (laughs) so... Um, oh my god! <laughs> so just buy her a little wrench or something, and oh, that's such a sweet gift. <laughs> oh, actually, I remember why I bought this. I was gonna say I bought her <laughs> what's called a foo bar, which is like a combination hammer, crowbar, like nail. It's like it's basically a de- it's a it's a tool made for destruction. It's it's a demolition tool, right. and it's about a foot and a half long, and it's got a hammer and whatever. It's basically you can just fuck shit up with it, and I bought that for her. Be- so that she could carry it around with her if she wanted to because she <laughs> she used to have a real problem with claustrophobia and she was really afraid if she went into like a bathroom or something in a public place like if the lock didn't work or whatever sometimes she'd have me like stand outside of a door and just be like i can't i don't feel i don't trust this lock can you just stand here and make sure nobody comes in then i was like well i'll get you this tool so if i'm around you can you can get yourself out with this foo bar that's that's actually a really sweet thoughtful 
<laughs> present. And to be honest, it's not a an unjustifiable phobia. Like a friend of mine locked himself in his own bathroom and he had left well no actually the the door handle broke he didn't have his phone in there and he literally realized like because there were no windows in there and he literally realized like no one was going to come and visit him he lived alone in an apartment block he was like if i don't get myself out of here i could Mm -hmm. literally like die in this bathroom so he his he showed a photo of his hands and he had like ripped them apart ripping off the door handle like i don't know how he did it but it was just it was that thing where and they found a woman dead in a, an apartment no in a hotel she'd managed to like go into this uh little cupboard thing because she'd be it, it had been dark and she hadn't seen and then the door had closed behind her and she hadn't she couldn't get out basically because there was no way of getting out from the inside yeah. so i totally do get the claustrophobia with stuff like that. I'm. I often think when I'm in a bathroom and the door locks, I'm like, I hope I have my phone with me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how we got on this, but anyways, but, um... we got onto it because we talked about my door or our door breaking. Oh, your door and My husband okay. getting the uh, the tool the crowbar. to that's let right. us out. Anyway, so yeah, that's that's just it's just yet another expense, and I I don't even. It's not that I don't care now, but I've just fully accepted it in a kind of Buddhist monk way. And, you know, I think, yeah, it's just what's happening. And we're moving we're moving on and I'm looking to the future. How about you, Matt? How's your, uh, how's your week been? Uh, it's been fine. I should say with, with what we talked about in the intro, I should say that, that, that so, so the intro had a oh, rumor. Boris Johnson that, stuff. That I heard. And apparently it's not true. It's not true. Uh, or if it. If it or if it is true, it's still under what's called the super injunction, which means nobody can report on it. Oh. And so, are we uh, allowed to actually keep it in the podcast? I guess so. I don't know. It's something I overheard at a bar from a stranger. So, <laughs> it <laughs> it may have just been a complete fact, like falsehood. Anyways, so I don't I don't think it's true. So that's just a like a, a tall tale I heard. So doesn't matter. Okay. But you know, if we get sued. Maybe that'd be good publicity. <laughs> yeah, well, I just want to say that I take no responsibility for this because uh, I was not involved in hearing the rumor. Uh, and I also take back whatever things I said to support the rumor in the first place. <laughs> I don't think, yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's pretty widely known that he has multiple children with like multiple different women. So I don't think we'll get in trouble for saying that. Oh, that part is not. Yeah, that part is not uh, rumor. Uh, I think that's pretty much an understood fact. But whether or not his wife left him or whatever, I don't even remember all the rumor now. But um, <laughs> that I overheard in a bar. Um, so <laughs> I love the way you made it sound so important at the time. You're like, well, I definitely can't tell you who it was because as though they're like some really important person. That um... <laughs> It was Jacob Rees-Mogg, he told me. <laughs> Uh, apparently that's not true i guess so that was disappointing i don't know what else did we talk about in the first half i i don't think there was there was nothing that i was i was just talking about how difficult life with toddlers is and i i don't think i think things are getting slightly easier but there's really nothing to report on in that i mean it's just Mm -hmm. that's just life and we've talked a lot about children already anyway things are okay with tavish he's he's doing well yeah he's fine he's you know he's 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 hard to settle but he's uh He's been feeding a lot. So, like I said, he's up to 11 pounds. Whoa, that's great. He's getting big-er. And, 
driving his mom nuts, but uh, because it seems like the only thing that can really settle him is is breastfeeding and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's full on. But anyways, but thanks everybody for listening. If you would please rate, review, subscribe. Rating and reviewing is super helpful to us. It's the probably the single best thing you could do to help us out in addition to just listening and, and being our friends and, and just like putting good thoughts out into the universe for us, you know? <laughs> I mean, I, and we do appreciate all that uh, positive vibes, but if you could translate some of those into um, actual reviews on iTunes, that also helps. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and if you want to follow us, we're Six Months Later Pod on Twitter. And Instagram and uh, Facebook. You can find me, I'm Tara NW Comedy on all the stuff. And you can find Matt. I, yeah, I'm M. Shadorn on Instagram and Twitter. You can, you can follow me if you like, not super active, but you know, if I am active, it's probably all right. But uh, I do make actual other media. In addition to this, I have another podcast called St. Misbehaven. And this Sunday, an episode just came out about a saint called uh, St. Abba the Great. And so it is just an excuse for us to make a lot of Abba-based jokes. <laughs> uh, but he's also kind of a fun saint. He's a, he's a guy, he, uh, he shows great personal growth in addition to being just kind of a nice guy in general. So, Oh, that's nice. So, Mamma Mia, here we go again. You know, never forget it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we do make a lot of Abba-based puns, so if you enjoy that. Uh, I would definitely check out St. Misbehaven with my friend and researcher, uh, or just researcher, Anna Dominic. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much, guys. And also, if you could support our Patreon, that would be amazing. Just search for six months later. We appreciate it. Yeah. You could be the first person to support our Patreon if you want. <laughs> yeah. Hey, just anyone. Uh, this would be great right now. Uh, um, yeah. All right. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll see you next week. In six months. <laughs> Bye. Bye. You're my rock, Andy. <laughs> 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 this this marching band will fall apart if you leave. <laughs> <laughs>